0: Liz Collin here. Thank you for joining us and welcome to Liz Collin Reports, a place where we are talking truth, tackling tough topics, and bringing to the table people that have been set aside or silenced. Meaningful Minnesota Conversations. Today we're focusing on downtown Minneapolis and the return to work mode many employers are in. After two long years, some offices are finally ready to welcome workers back after the pandemic and as serious crime concerns remain. It's a story Alpha News reporter Pafua Yang dug into this week. You can watch her story now on alphanews.org. Here's a listen.
1: Ten gunshots in eight seconds. The rounds echoed across downtown Minneapolis in a September 2020 shootout outside a pizza place. Just days earlier, security cameras rolled as a man fired shots at a downtown gas station. And in July of last year, some captured a car plowing through a crowd of people near a nice ride bike rack. Chaos in the heart of the city during a global pandemic.
0: Pafua talked to a wide range of people in the piece. The downtown council president, optimistic about the return to work. She featured a new restaurant opening up on Nicollet Mall. And she talked to workers who have watched drug deals go down and theft from Skyway stores with their own eyes. I wanted to spend some time giving a voice to the real people in downtown, day in, day out, to talk about what's ahead as some workers return to work. Jay Edinger is my first guest. He owns the poorhouse in the Lumber Exchange Building downtown. Jay, thank you for joining me today.
2: I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: And I know that you have been very outspoken through COVID restrictions, the defunding the police campaign, and the crime that remains, but how would you describe life downtown at this point?
2: You know, I think right now there's a a new sense of optimism, and and I can I, you know someone who lives in the North Loop, uh, I feel there's a, a new energy with the warmer weather, uh, and I think with people coming back to work, I know my my friends in the uh, in the warehouse warehouse district definitely have noticed a change. I think it helps. You've got a successful basketball team right now, uh, but there de- definitely seems to be optimism for the first time in in years. Uh, you know, but as Uh, as I was telling someone earlier today, I'm, I'm concerned because, you know, one or two violent incidences could, could change that overnight.
0: When people ask you as a business owner, Jay, in Minneapolis, what do you tell them? Is downtown safe?
2: You know, I think there are parts of downtown that are safe. And to be honest with you, I think, uh, downtown might be safer than it's been in a while just because there is no one, there was no one to prey on (laughs) there were, there were, uh, because it was so desolate, there wasn't much going on. There wasn't much activity. And that's my concern is with warm weather and people coming back. I'm, we're all hoping that's a great thing. We're all hoping, you know, that's going to be pave the way to bring Minneapolis uh, back to greatness. But, you know, like I said, one or two negative uh, incidences and that, that could change real quickly. But I am, I am optimistic for the first time in quite a while.
0: You also have a location in Uptown in Minneapolis as well. And it recently made the news that that location is temporarily closed. But fill us in there. I know you're talking about this sense of optimism in downtown Minneapolis, but it seems that may not be the case for Uptown. Yeah,
2: I would, I would not share that same level of, uh, of optimism in Uptown right now. I think Uptown is, uh, and it, Uptown is not a place where I have spent a lot of my time uh, being in my early 50s. Uh, back in the day, I, I spent more time there, but I, I you know, I, I've got a pretty good pulse on what's going on there. And and there's de- definitely not the same kind of optimism right now. A lot of the restaurants have shut down. A lot of the commercial retailers have shut down. Apple obviously shut down, which is one of the uh, the big anchor stores uh, in uptown. So I'm not, I definitely don't have the same sense of optimism. I think long-term, you know, I'm optimistic, but not not in the short term. Is
0: that closure then temporary, or do you feel it'll be more permanent at this point?
2: You know, we're funny. You should ask. We we literally just got off a phone call with the landlords about that, and uh, we're trying to figure that out right now. I wouldn't I wouldn't commit to saying either either right now. I think we're just trying to figure things out and figure out the landscape. Um, and you know, we've got we've got landlords that want to work with us, but it's uh. It's, it's challenging right now because there isn't a lot of a sense of, of optimism there uh, in the same way that there is downtown.
0: We'll stay tuned for the answer. No, no problem,
2: Jay. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> I promise <laughs> you'll be the first, one of the first to know.
0: <laughs> we'll uh, we'll definitely hold you to that. But I know you attended a meeting with uh, Mayor Fry earlier this month, along with uh, Julie Wickland, who we featured here on Alpha News from Safe Streets Now for a Better Tomorrow. Her group She started after she was the victim of a home invasion back in December, but she told us a little bit about this meeting, 20 victims of crime uh, meeting one-on-one with the mayor. And I know you were there that day as well. Kind of explain what happened. And I'm wondering if you think that that made any difference.
2: You know, it, it, I think it did. Um, you, You know, we had a lot more people show up for that meeting than anticipated and pe- you know, as far as the communication goes, so I I actually owe the mayor an apology because I organized that meeting, and you know I told his office it would be about half that the number of people that actually showed up, uh, but he handled it like a pro. He stepped in the room and and listened to everybody. You know, I my my biggest issue not just with with Jacob Fry, but with all leadership right now, whether you're talking about the city of Minneapolis or Hennepin County, or the state of Minnesota, it seems like we've gotten really good at identifying problems, but not really good at identifying solutions. And I walked away from that meeting, not all that optimistic that we'd really come up with any solutions, or that there was any commitment to come up with solutions. He definitely, you know, he said that he would meet with this group again, in about six weeks or so. Uh, But I didn't walk away with any sense of um, that we'd we'd move move the the ball forward at all. You know, I feel like we're still at kind of third and seven or, you know, and, and trying to get to first down. And I don't, I don't feel like we've got a starting quarterback. I feel like, you know, and I'm not saying that about Jacob. I'm just saying, I, I'm not real optimistic because nothing came out of that meeting other than, you know, him listening to these victims. I, I, I know he cares. I know Jacob's a really good person. I think sometimes that's his biggest flaw is he's a really kind and genuine person, but I think he tries to please everybody. And in leadership, you know, that just doesn't work. You can't be everything to everyone. Uh, I think he had, you know, I think even Jacob had said when we were talking about giving the city council potential, uh, you know, ownership or overview of the police department, it was said that if you have, you know, 14 bosses, 13 city council members and a mayor that you have to answer to when everybody's in charge, no one's in charge. Well, I would say, well, If you're trying to be everything to everybody you're kind of nobody and you're kind of upsetting everybody you're not really getting anywhere and i think you know the the defund the police vote was was shot down 56 to 44 percent and i think uh the mayor who did not agree with defunding the police which i'm you know which is why i voted for him and supported him i think he needs to to really be loyal to his constituents that voted that way and not worry so much about what the people that were on the other side of the, uh, the, the, the listen, he still needs to, to listen to them and he's still their mayor, but the people spoke and when, on election day and he shouldn't be so hesitant, uh, in his pro police messaging, uh, he's, he's definitely stepped up and, you know, consistently said he doesn't believe in defunding the police, but I think he needs to be louder about his actual support of the police, not just the fact that he's against defunding.
0: And Julie Wickland uh, mentioned that that same sentiment. And a lot of this just comes down to math. There's certainly just not as many officers uh, to, to go around. And I'm wondering your thought about just that presence in downtown Minneapolis, if if that is missed.
2: It is. I will say this. I, You know, it's hard to believe that we have as, you know, as few officers as we have, because I will say they're doing one heck of a job. I mean, with all they have on their plate, with the numbers they have and the lack of support and the lack of resources, uh, the, the, from what I hear, not just from within the police department, but business owners and community members, uh, it's unbelievable that the, the police work they're doing and the, and, and they, they don't get, you know, there's a little two year old child that was shot in the throat last week. Right. And four 30 in the morning, I believe. And who saved that child's life, was MPD, but they've gotten no props for that. They've gotten no credit for that. No one's talked about it. And so, I'm, you know, as someone who, you know, supports our police department, uh, but also, you know, supports good police officers, not bad police officers. Uh, we need to prop those good police officers up much higher than we have been. And we need to tell those stories. And And the media needs to tell, the mainstream media needs to tell those stories far more often because there's far more good stories than bad stories. It's not even close.
0: A man after my own heart. You're speaking my language, Jay. (laughs) I couldn't agree with you more um, on that on that media angle. And I know you brought up the the mayor's office. I'm kind of curious from your position, because you spent a lot of time uh, talking about uh, the city council, the the former city council. Do you feel the council now um, has changed and made a difference? And do you feel optimistic about, um, you know, those those folks, the decisions they're making moving forward?
2: You know, I feel I feel the council is more balanced. I feel like before it was uh, three pragmatic, uh, reasonable council members, and we had seven that were not, and then three that were just kind of wild cards. I feel like right now it's kind of five that are pragmatic, uh, five that are uh, unreasonable, and three that are wild cards. And so it's more balanced. I can tell you that I know my city council member, uh, I, I bumped into him as I was walking out of that meeting with the mayor a week and a half ago. And he said, um, he said he feels like a 16 year old kid. He, He loves what he's doing. He feels like he's making a difference. I know for a fact that he's gone to some police roll calls and shown his appreciation for our police department. And I couldn't be prouder to have him representing the third ward.
0: That's great to hear. The downtown council gave us some stats to kind of uh, get this story uh, together here, but it's about 95,000 workers downtown again. So that's 44%, they say, of what once was. Uh, But of course, many are on hybrid schedules now. Do you see a day where downtown gets back to what it used to be more than two years ago? Or do you think this is just the new reality here, Jay?
2: Uh, You know, it's hard to say. I'm usually a, a glass half full Person. Obviously, if people listen to me talk about Minneapolis over the last three or four years, they wouldn't believe that. But I only talk about it because I'm passionate about it and I care. And uh, it doesn't do me or my, my businesses uh, any good to talk, you know, in such realistic terms. But, you know, perception is reality, but reality is reality in my eyes. And people are coming downtown and seeing what's going on and not coming back. And so for people to say, Jay, keep your mouth shut you're hurting the perception of downtown, Uh, to me, that's nonsense. You know, people would come down one time uh, every time I go on social media. And it hasn't happened recently because, like I said, downtown has been quiet for the last couple of years. But pre-COVID, every time you'd go uh, on social media, you'd see a story about someone being assaulted or um, harassed downtown. And, you know, right now we pay higher wages than they have to in the suburbs. We have to pay for parking to come downtown. Uh, because of the the some of the laws about uh, wages, uh, not just, just uh, actual wages, but the vacation time that we have to pay and so forth. And we're also the highest taxed hospitality industry in the country. No major city pays as high a hospitality tax as we do. And when you have options like the West End and St. Louis Park, which are five minutes away, where you don't have to worry about getting Assaulted. You don't have to worry about getting carjacked. You can pay less for your your beer and your burger. And um, and you don't have to pay for parking. They've got a competitive advantage. And then, you know, throw in all the, the mandates we had with COVID. You know, everyone can tell you that the mayor can tell you, and everyone else can tell you that, you know, COVID hurt business. And I agree that it probably hurt the lunch, the lunch establishments, but the the late night spots were not affected by COVID other than the mass mandates and the vax card mandates. That's what killed our business. But first and foremost, public safety is what's killed our businesses.
0: The fact that you're still in Minneapolis, I guess, definitely says something about your, your passion for the place. Have you looked at moving or is that something that's still in the cards for you?
2: Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not going to give up yet, but I will say I, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. And this has been I've been talking and been outspoken about this for probably six or seven years, uh, ever since Betsy Hodges came into office. And I've been, you know, I, I, I don't back down and I'm the last person to tell people I told you so, uh, but I haven't been wrong yet. Everything I predicted happened. I said, if we don't nip crime in the butt, then it's going to grow. And if there aren't consequences for crime, the the 100 or 200, you know, criminals we have walking our streets are going to turn into 300 and 400 or 500. And that's what's happening. And, and I, you know, I pointed the judges and the prosecutors, Hennepin County needs to be held accountable. And. You know I've suggested numerous times that we should have, uh, and I wish I had the time and energy to do this and oversee this. but if if I were the mayor of Minneapolis, uh, I would create a position within the city, pay someone you know, a, a liberal wage, and have them do nothing more than keep score on what the judges are doing in Hennepin County because they're causing all the problems for our police officers in Minneapolis. And I would post that on on a website. And every day people would know. So because we go into the, the voting booths and vote for our, our, you know, the judges in our districts, we have no idea who we're voting for unless we have a personal relationship with them or they've reached out to us. So I'd like to educate people on what our judges are doing. I know some website, I think the American Experiment just did something similar to that. I'd like to see that go on every day. I'd like to be a full time job within the city because, you know, the Hennepin County judicial system is, is putting these repeat criminals, I'm not talking about drug users and marijuana, I'm talking about violent criminals and repeat criminals walking the streets and, and Hennepin County's responsible for the mess that Minneapolis is left to deal with. And I would like to see the mayor or someone uh, dedicate and, and, and yes, point, point the finger at Hennepin County.
0: Again, we're talking to Jay Ettinger, the owner of the Poor House in the Lumber Exchange building in downtown Minneapolis. I know you get the question a lot, but I have to ask it too. Why aren't you running for office? You actually seem to have some some solutions
2: that we're in you know, need of. I've been asked that many times, and I always joke that, you know, if people ask me if I'm going to run. I always say I'm going to run to the suburbs before I think of doing that. But <laughs> to be honest with you, I love my mom so much I could never put her through that. You know, I have hundreds of thousands of people hate me, dislike me, um, you know, how vile people can be on on Twitter and on social media. It's, the, you know, the loudest are not the majority. That's what people have to remember. Just because people are loud doesn't mean they speak for the majority. Um, I could never put my mom through that. I've, I get along with people. I've always, you know, gotten along with people. I look out for people and I would just, I just would, couldn't put her through that heartache.
0: Okay. That's a, that's a good reason. The the mom card is always a good I'm one to show. Mom card. Well, I'm glad uh, it's a message of optimism, but you know, you're still a straight shooter, Jay. So we appreciate that very much.
2: Yeah, thanks for your time. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Thank you, Jay. Please keep up the good fight.
2: I will. Have a great day, Liz.
0: You too. As part of her report, Pafua dug into the numbers, and this year is not shaping up to be any better crime-wise. City stats show thefts are up 60% over this time last year downtown. The number of people shot has more than doubled compared to last year, so that's 18 people shot in the downtown area alone this year. So my next guest, we are going to call Anne due to some safety concerns she has. But Anne, I know that you're a healthcare worker at Hennepin Healthcare or HCMC. Thank you so much for, for being on with us. No problem. And you personally haven't had a choice. You've been working through the pandemic downtown, but can you take a moment and just describe what life is like down there for you as a downtown worker now?
1: Well, I feel like, um, when everything started, you were constantly looking over your shoulder. Um, it was unnerving coming into work, um, some days and not, um, just because it was so quiet and the curfews and, um, you know, there, the amount of people that weren't coming into work, the traffic was really low. And then, you know, just hearing about what was going on during all the George Floyd stuff happening, it just, you know, you, there was an increase in crime and it just seemed like you were always looking over your shoulder, you know, at stoplights, looking around, you know, it, it was unnerving and, um, definitely a huge change in traffic and the amount of people that are around too.
0: And we talked to a business owner in Minneapolis also on uh, the program and who mentioned that there seems to be a bit of a feeling of some optimism as spring is upon us and workers again, go back downtown. Do you feel that where you are? Um,
1: yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I know a lot of people, take you used to take public transportation i don't know if a lot of people will be doing that again um i also don't know um if you know i it's hard to say i can't i can't i don't know if a lot of people will be comfortable coming back downtown it's you know everybody's different but um you know like wells fargo or any of those other companies i've heard that they are going to bring more people back downtown it'll be interesting to see what happens because i feel like there's not the restaurants and the um, available as, and I don't know how the Skyways are surviving. I'm Do, not
0: sure. And to give uh, folks some geographic perspective, but HCMC, it's a huge facility covers six city blocks, right across the street from U.S. Bank Stadium, a nearly 500 bed hospital. What's the mood like among workers as far as safety downtown? You told me that you're aware of some that that have left due to due to safety concerns.
1: Yeah, I know a few people that have left. Um, I know we don't go outside of the hospital much anymore. Those, um, you know, some of us used to walk at lunch, or um, I know people would go out for happy hour downtown, right near the hospital. Um, that doesn't happen much anymore. You know, we used to, so sometimes we'd walk to the Stone Arch, or and um, you know, you just don't feel comfortable sometimes walking alone or walking downtown. At this time, you know, I'm not sure if that'll improve with more people moving into downtown, but it's so hard to say. It's just been so long like this that it's hard to imagine it would come back. I
0: don't know. And Anne, we did reach out to HCMC about safety concerns. They did send a statement to Alpha News. I want to read a little piece of that from a spokesperson there. But it says, quote, as a downtown level one trauma center, we recognize the need for heightened safety and security measures and how essential it is to maintain an open, welcoming hospital and clinic and specialty center for our patients, visitors and team members. Because the types of care that we provide and the injuries that we treat, it's often a reflection of what's happening in the community. The statement also credits an outstanding security department focused on de escalating and responding to any concerns. It also goes on to say that the security department is accessible throughout the campus, available to escort staff to their vehicles and shifts upon requests. Hennepin Healthcare also works closely with local law enforcement as needed for assistance with safety and security. But do you and your colleagues take advantage of that, those escorts to your vehicles?
1: Um, I know some have. Um... I personally haven't, but my, the ramp I'm in is pretty secure and security's um, constantly watching. I know circling, I haven't, um, I haven't personally used, but I know people that I work with have used, um, escorts to their cars at night. Um, when there's been like a lot of things going on downtown, um, you just don't know sometimes, you know, if there was a, um, you know, you just sometimes it it can be eerie so yeah i mean at night especially i know people have used and we also encourage patients to use it to if they're concerned about going to their car alone
0: and then that, that's the one thing uh, that's pretty interesting the position you guys are in there at HCMC you're worried about your personal safety but also you are a top treatment center for many of these victims so you're seeing mm-hmm. um you're seeing that kind of in and out of the door as well
1: mhm yes and um, it's unfortunate. You feel bad for people getting caught in the middle of things that maybe were innocent, had nothing, you know, just driving along. And this is unfortunate, er, you know, the carjackings and stuff like that. You feel really bad for people. It's, you know, they're innocent victims of this stuff.
0: Are you looking at leaving, Anne, or do you think things can still turn around?
1: Um, the thought has crossed my mind many times. Um, you know to not have to worry and um, I, I go back and forth I, I have a lot of years in and there's days I just go huh I don't know if I want to come do this anymore but I'm still sticking it out I you know I'd like to hit a, a year marker at some point that I would be happy with so we'll see
0: <laughs> well good luck we appreciate you being open and honest about our conversation about downtown Minneapolis and certainly wish you the best moving forward all right. Thank you so much. Thank you. That will do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. A big thank you to my podcast producer, Andy Schmidt. We'll be here again soon to keep meaningful Minnesota conversations going. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify or any other podcast platform. And finally, feel free to share this and give us a five-star rating. Have someone you'd like us to chat with or a story you'd like to see? Email tips at org. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.